Dear Griff August Walsha, Welcome to Cork City Library's talking newsletter of library news and features. I'm Glenn, and in this edition, we'll be bringing you a feature on book censorship in Ireland, a history of the lottery and its Cork agents. City librarian Irene reflects on reading Camus' The Plague during lockdown, and Conor McHale recommends music to enjoy at home. Book censorship in Ireland. When the Irish state was founded, its leaders were strongly influenced by Irish Catholicism. A committee of inquiry on evil literature was appointed in 1926. The committee's report was the basis of the Censorship of Publications Act 1929. The Censorship Board, established in 1930, banned any literary publication it considered obscene or indecent. No appeal board was set up before 1946. The Censorship Board was required to assess the literary, artistic, scientific or historic merits of a book as well as the inclusions of any abhorrent subject matter. However, judgment was made on the objectionable nature of passages in a book rather than on their overall literary value. Eminent authors who were censored between the 1930s and the 1960s included Maura Laverty, John McGahern, Edna O'Brien, Kate O'Brien, Sean O'Casey, Frank O'Connor, Sean O'Freelon, Brendan Behan, James Joyce, Eric Cross and Liam O'Flaherty. Kate O'Brien's The Land of Spices was banned due to one single sentence because it had homosexual connotations. John McGahern's The Dark was censored because it discussed adolescent sexuality in rural Ireland, resulting in McGahern losing his job as a teacher. The most notorious case of censorship in Cork, and championed by Frank O'Connor, was that of The Taylor and Nancy by Eric Cross. Professor William McGuinness, a member of the censorship board, said that the male character in it was sex-obsessed and that his wife was a person of inferior mental development. The book was banned due to its tendency towards indecency. Timothy Buckley, the tailor, was forced by three priests to burn his copy of the book. No work of prose or poetry in the Irish language was ever banned under the 1929 Act. However, Frank O'Connor's translation of Brian Merriman's Curt on Vanihe the Midnight Court, was banned on its publication in 1946, while the Irish language version remained uncensored. There was an assumption that material in the Irish language was unlikely to corrupt. However, some Irish language books were censored before 1929. Porrick O'Connor's Nora Varkas and Joe Roydock were both removed from the matriculate examination course by Antahir Pader Uliere. It was no coincidence that Joe Roydock was replaced by the book Shana, written by none other than Tara Pader Uliere. Deirdre Swain is a member of the City Library staff. The Lottery and its Cork Agents In June 1799, lottery fever was in full swing as the Cork Advertiser and Commercial Register carried an advertisement proclaiming that William Henry Creagh of the Mercantile Office No. 2 Grand Parade, promoting the lottery. The same newspaper carried an advertisement from the printer James Haley of the King's Arms near the exchange selling tickets and shares for the Irish lottery. By 1803, lottery tickets were selling fast and furious as the citizens of Cork were lured by the huge prizes offered, often the equivalent of a lifetime savings. So great was the demand for lottery tickets that the aptly named Temple of Fortune Cork Lottery Office was established at number one Grand Parade. The Irish Lottery worked in conjunction with its British counterpart, 
ensuring enormous payouts. On the 4th of April 1803, there were four top prizes of £20,000. The number of tickets issued was 44,000. Most people could not afford the entire cost of a lottery ticket, so the brokers would sell shares in a ticket. This resulted in tickets being issued with a notation, such as 16th or 3rd class. The Cork office was a branch of the main business, which was located at Dame Street, Dublin. Such was the extent of its growth that Government and Bank of Ireland bonds were lodged as security by the Cork office. Prior to this, some unscrupulous individuals had set up a business selling lottery tickets in the city. Unfortunately, when the lucky winners went to collect their prizes, they were informed that the seller had vanished with the money. By 1803, in order to make the scheme more attractive, literally thousands of prizes ranging from £20 right up to the jackpot of £20,000 were offered. This was the third English lottery draw, and the Cork office proudly announced that since its commencement, the Irish firm had handled £380,000 in the form of tickets and prizes. The printing establishments of Cork City worked hand in glove with various lottery concerns. In the early 1820s, John Bolster, whose business was at Number 7 Patrick Street, was the state lottery agent. But this venture was to be short-lived, as gambling had become a liability and the government was unable to control the many private lotteries which appeared each year. Finally, in 1826, the British Parliament passed an act declaring all lotteries to be illegal. It must have been quite ironic for John Bolster to see his lucrative business dissolved by this act of Parliament as he was His Majesty's printer in Cork responsible for printing and selling copies of that decree. Michael Linehan is a member of our Glenmire Library staff. Reading Camus' The Plague During Lockdown by Liam Ronain The trouble is, there is nothing less spectacular than a pestilence, and if only because they last so long, great misfortunes are monotonous. In the memory of those who have lived through them, the dreadful days of the plague do not seem like vast flames, cruel and magnificent, but rather like an endless trampling that flattened everything in its path. It's a fairly obvious thing to do for a librarian, I suppose, to reach for Camus' classic tale of a contagion during this time when we are living through the COVID-19 emergency. Is there something we can learn from the story? A few caveats to begin. The reader must bear in mind that the bubonic plague which strikes Oran in the story is many times worse than the strain of coronavirus which we are dealing with. She or he must also bear in mind that Camus' story is not really about the plague, but is an allegory for France's trauma in World War II. Not so much the Nazi occupation itself, but the acquiescence to occupation by the majority of French people. We do not get any feel for the fact that Oran is an Algerian city. No Arab characters appear even though they formed some 90% of the country's population at that time. That said, however, the plague by Albert Camus, who went on to win the Nobel Prize a decade after it was published, is a book I would heartily recommend, especially in these strange times. This business concerns all of us. There are many echoes of our current situation in the book. Residents look for signs of encouragement. The graph of the progress of the plague, starting with its constant rise, followed by a long plateau, seemed quite reassuring. Like our own media today, the papers focused on the moving example of calm and courage shown by the people. No one could fault the equality of debt, but it was not one that anybody wanted. In fact, then as now, it was poor people who suffered more. There would be no return to normal. Everyone agreed that the amenities of former times would not be restored overnight, and that it was easier to destroy than to rebuild. There is the very moving passage when the little boy succumbs to the disease. Six pages of terror and heartbreak, 
and the great sadness of Dr. Rio's friends slow death at a time when the plague seems to be dissipating. And if you want encouragement, it is there in the plague. The city comes through it in the end, but more importantly, there is an example of the key characters, such as Dr. Riand Taro. The situation does not demand heroes, rather decent people doing their work as best they can. There is a wonderful passage in part 4 where we learn how Taro finds a way to live a moral life. Beginning in his youth, on through his fight on the side of the Republic in the Spanish Civil War, and the harsh lessons which life teaches him. It is clear that this was a very important passage for Camus to write in the immediate aftermath of World War II, when the whole world seemed to have lost its moral compass. This is a work of imagination, of fiction, so one is not suggesting that it should be read as a non-fiction account of a contagion. Rather, it will repay reading because it conveys in a way that leaves a deep impression how we humans deal with such trauma in our different ways. In this regard, it is the short middle part of the book, part 3, which shines the clearest light on our present situation. These pages recount the impact of the plague generally on the town, rather than how it affected any individual. These pages give a deep sense of how the contagion changed everything for the residents, not least their way of looking at the world. Liam Ronane, Cork City Librarian Music to enjoy at home Although concert venues, theatres and general performance spaces remain closed during the COVID-19 pandemic, you can still access many forms of music online and enjoy them in the comfort of your own home. Livestream Concerts Billboard's website offers a range of links to livestream concerts from artists such as Metallica to Miley Cyrus with the Philadelphia Orchestra in between. These are available on the bigger platforms such as Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. Billboard regularly updates this list of online concerts. Visit www.billboard.com Jazz and Rock NPR.org is an easy-to-use website, also regularly updated, and is divided into genres such as jazz, rock, and so on. Visit www.npr.org Irish Traditional Music For Irish and trad enthusiasts, there is a collection of YouTube videos from artists like Sharon Shannon, Rhiannon Giddens, Eve Vagabonds, and The Black Family. Visit www.celtic-colors.com Classical music For classical lovers, check out an old reliable Classic FM. Visit www.classicfm.com Recorded concerts For those who enjoy watching classic music concerts from their favourite artists such as Bruce Springsteen, Queen and many, many more, visit www.quello.com That's all for this edition. All information can be found on our website at www.corkcitylibraries.ie and on our social media channels. Thanks for listening. Sláin.